Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blood that you shed to take away our sin. Lord, we give you praise and we look forward to hearing from your word. Over to you, Brother Johnny. Amen. And greetings again to the congregation. I'm glad to once again be in the presence of the saints on Zoom using social media. That's a beautiful medium to kind of keep the church connected. The enemy did try to keep us separated using this COVID-19, but God has made a way. Technology working for us for a change. Beautiful stuff. Uh, thank you, um, Pastor, Pastor Werner and your wife, the church leadership. Thank you guys for allowing me to have this platform to just share from God's word. And just keep in mind that my belief is, you know, the opportunity to share the, the gospel or share the word of God is not taken lightly. I don't take it lightly at all. I know we're living in a time where there's many people that have platforms and they misuse your platforms to uh, perpetuate false teaching and false doctrine. So when one is uh, given the chance to just speak mm -hmm. on God's word, I uh, approach very carefully, very softly. Uh, so I do not contribute to any confusion. So thank you everybody for allowing us this platform. Uh, I'm just seeing you guys in person and I'm trusting that going forward, God will give us an opportunity in a few weeks time where we can just have fellowship. All right, the, the theme or the title of my message this morning is called Discerning the Times. Discern the Times. In other words, you've got to ask yourself, what time is it? That's the question. What time is it? I know we're in the 21st century, we're in COVID-19, but the narrative from the Christian, the narrative from the child of God should be, what time is it? Let us pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. Just trusting you for a beautiful time in your presence, trusting you for your word. Your word, oh God, which is life and life in abundance. Asking you to just continue to bless us in your presence. Bless us as we just get into your word. Bless us as we, oh God, just learn from the scripture what you're trying to tell us in this time and season. Allow your Holy Spirit, oh God, to just cause that life to be manifest through your word and produce fruit after its own kind. Bless those that are hearing, oh God, in Jesus' name, in your homes, in your dining rooms, in your offices, in your kitchens. Bless them, God. Looking at this message online, allow them to just have, oh God, a connection with the Holy Spirit and let there be transformation. In Jesus' name, we thank you by faith. Amen and amen. Okay. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning, church. 
uh, I will preach while I'm sitting on the couch just to accommodate me in this uh, particular sitting. My reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. You could also keep your finger on Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. I will be jumping around from scripture to scripture, so uh, don't panic. Uh, I want to get the word of God just soaked in our hearts so we understand the context of what I'm saying. Uh, so I'm going to throw as many scriptures to you as possible. If you have a pen or a pencil, just write it down and read it later. But let's just go through a few of them this morning. Matthew chapter 16, verse 2 to 3 reads like this. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 to 8 reads like this in the NIV. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What? Time is it. Church, we've come to that point in our Christianity where we have to discern the times. We have got to identify and know full well what time and season we are in. You have no use to the kingdom of God unless you know your purpose, unless you understand where you're supposed to be and why. And the only way you can allocate yourself a position a place in the kingdom is by knowing and understanding the time that we in. We read in the book of Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says to them, you look into the sky and you can tell what weather is going to be tomorrow. You look at the weather and you can uh, predict what's happening. But he says, you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. I've come to remind you, church, these are in times that we're living in. When you understand the concept of the time we're living in, you understand the action that's necessary for us to take. When you understand the urgency of the hour, you understand the move of the Holy Spirit. When you understand the time and the season we're in, you understand what tools are needed to be used by the church. You understand the tone of attitude the church has got to take. When you know the time, Ecclesiastes says to us, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet. You've got to know the time. The time that you, your understanding of the time determines your action. It determines your role. It determines the, your post as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. Luke chapter 4, verses 30 
confirms to us that Jesus understood the time. If you read the narrative there, it paints a picture of Jesus running away. Jesus had to make his way of escape from a crowd because he knew the time uh, he was in. It weren't the time for him to resist. It weren't the time for him to fight. It weren't the time for him to challenge. His understanding of the time he was in, that circumstance and that situation controlled his action. He saw what was going on around him and he identified that, you know what? I cannot stand in this situation. I've got to slip out of the crowd. Luke chapter 4, verse 30 has that narrative. In Luke chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus speaks these words. He performs a miracle. He does something, but he says to him, don't tell anyone. Throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, Jesus performs signs and wonders. And the closing word is always, don't tell anybody. He heals them when they're sick. He says, but listen, don't tell anybody because his hour had not yet come. His time had not yet come. Even when the demons would identify Jesus and they'd yell out, Jesus, thou son of David, he'd hush them up and say, be still, because his time had not yet come. What point am I trying to drive across to you this morning? Understanding the times determines your action. Because if you don't understand the time, your action may cause a block, a blockage. Your action may cause an abortion of what God is trying to do. Your action may cause a falling out of what God is trying to do. You've got to understand the time. You see, the importance of time is this. Ask any lady that bakes a cake. It's all based on time. 10 minutes too long will cause a cake to be a flop. 10 minutes too early will cause a cake to be a flop. It's all about timing. The ingredients don't matter. The mixture don't matter. The passion put in making that cake does not matter if the time is neglected. If the time, understanding, comprehension of that time is miscalculated, it throws out what will turn out to be a beautiful presentation of a beautiful cake only because of the time. We are living in the end time. And the action that we have got to take as children of God uh, has got to be an action that's in accordance with the time we are living in. John chapter 2, verses 4, famous story. Jesus is at a wedding. His mother says, perform a miracle. Turn the water into wine. He says, my time has not yet come. You understand? Jesus understood his position. He knew that he's great, he's mighty, he's all these things, but he understood the fact that he's got to observe the time. He's got to understand where he's supposed to be and why. When you understand the time, you suddenly know what tools you've got to use. He's like, look, my time has not yet come. It's not time. I'm going to talk about even his crucifixion. Leading up to his crucifixion, Jesus was restrained. They captured him. They held him. He was bound. He was under the control of human beings. Because his time 
to be great and mighty had not yet come. He had to submit to that power because that was the time he was in. There's a time when you've got to be able to be sensitive to giving. A time you've got to be sensitive to comply. A time as a child of God where you've got to be sensitive to just allow yourself to just be controlled for a little bit. And then we, 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 we see that as they controlled him and they took him all the way up to Calvary, there was a greater purpose. What am I talking about? I'm talking about trials and tribulations. Sometimes when trials and tribulations come up against us because we don't understand the time we're in. We don't understand the move of God and where we're supposed to be. We resist. Yet Paul says, count it all joy when these things happen to you. You've got to understand the time and season you're supposed to be in because that determines the blessing and the outcome from it. Jesus understood that the time they captured him and, 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 and they held him, he had to submit to that circumstance because there was a reward at the end. Early on, I read how he had to uh, flee from the crowd. He had to escape and run away. There comes a time when you've got to tactfully disengage. You cannot always be going and fighting and fighting. There comes time you've got to just tactfully disengage and avoid circumstances because that situation and the time dictates that particular action. When the church knows the time and the season we're in, as a church, we can go forward and do that which is necessary. Jesus is captured. He's taken all the way up to Calvary. He's crucified all by the hands of human beings. People he could have stopped if he chose to, but because he was aware of the time, he complied. Like a lamb before its slaughter is quiet, that's how quiet Jesus was. But when that time was passed, he rose up and he went to the enemy. He no longer ran away. He became one attacked. He went down to the kingdom of hell and he took away from the devil his power. He went down. Give me the keys of hell. Give me the keys of death. He went down and he made an open shame of the enemy because it was time for victory. It was time for him to be an attacker. No longer a lamb. Quiet. No, but the lion. He had to rise up and because he understood the time and seasons, he knew when to be quiet and he knew when to speak. Ecclesiastes we read, is a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. Church, these are the end times. The time for being silent is over. As children of God, we've got to rise up and be the voice that the world needs. We've got to speak louder than the virus of this hour. We've got to speak louder than the critics against the gospel. We've got to speak louder than alcohol, speak louder than drugs. We've got to take our position because the time and the season is urgent. And what is required from you and for me is an urgent response. It's an urgent attitude because the hour is at hand and Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. And if we slow our pace and slow our feet, we don't discern the time. What time is it? That's the question. What time is it? We're going to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 7. 
and verses 1. So we're going to just read the entire chapter, but I'm just going to bounce around from a few verses here and there. So just open up Genesis chapter 7. Bible reads like this. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your family, your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this entire generation. I have found you righteous in this entire generation. What time is it? During the time of Noah, people are just living their lives. They were partying, they were, they were drinking, they were just living loosely and doing what they got to do. But God, in that time, understood that the time for that particular world at that time was over. The time for partying and carrying on was over. The time for living ignorant of God was over. God, the sin had annoyed God and cut up to God as a stench. And God had prepared his heart to destroy all of humanity. But because God was looking for somebody in the earth, he found somebody that was righteous and he let that person understand that the time for that generation is over. And Noah had to understand the revelation of, okay, this is the time I'm living in, I've got to burn an ark. He couldn't do what everybody else was doing because he understood that the urgency was upon him. The earth was about to come to an end. Humanity was about to be destroyed. I've got to build an ark to the salvation of my family. He understood the time. And because he understood the time and the season, he was able to take action and build the ark. But look at this. In order for God to get the message across, God had to find a man that was righteous. So the first point this morning is you've got to be righteous. For you to uh, operate and function during the time of his end times, you've got to be righteous. God is not compromising on righteousness. Child of God, whether you're young or whether you're old, male or female, time for righteousness has come. We cannot live any old way. We've got to live a life that is circumspect, a life that is upright, a life that is forthright, where we walk so softly and circumspect, uh, circumspectly before the Lord our God. It is time for righteousness. What time is it? It's time for righteousness. There are many out there, they're preaching about money. They're preaching about fame. They're preaching about fancy clothes. They're preaching about all of these frivolous things. It's not time for that. It's time for righteousness. Look at our government. Our government needs righteousness. Look at our schools. Our schools need righteousness. Even our churches. Our churches need righteousness. It's time, number one, for righteousness. That's how God starts to speak to the nation. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, God is looking for righteous people to speak his message to. Noah was a righteous man. And because he was a righteous man, God gave him the secret, the mystery of Noah. Time for this nation is up. It was their end time then. Church, these are the end times. There's no time for fooling around. There's no time for messing about. It's time to serve God seriously with our entire heart. 
not from the waist up only, but from the waist up and only from the waist down. In our mind, in our hearts, righteousness is the order of the day because the time is up. It's end times. Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. You see how the prophecies are being fulfilled, left, right, and center. The signs are all over, confirming that Jesus is coming, giving us warning. When you see these things, know, know that the hour is at hand. Righteousness is the first order of the day. Amen. The second thing that happens for uh, Noah in that particular verse is, he says to him, go into the ark, you and your whole family. So, not just righteousness. So, yes, be righteous. Noah, be righteous. That's the main thing. So, God can speak to you and use you. But he says, number two, he says, you and your whole family. What am I saying, child of God? I'm saying that because the hour is so urgent, you have a duty to your audience. Your audience is your family. You may not be a preacher speaking to thousands of people, but guess what? You have the front row seat to your family, your cousins, your auntie, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your sons, your daughters, your family. Our duty as children of God in these end times is to reach out to our families. That's what Noah did. Him and his family. What did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Church, reach out to your family. Share the word of God amongst your family. When you go on your knees and you pray, put before the Lord your family. Allow your family to experience the goodness of God that you experience. The saddest thing for me is, I remember when I was in South Africa, I was uh, doing a weekend meeting from Friday till Sunday. We had a youth convention and I was a speaker there. And, you know, it was a beautiful time we had, you know, and I remember the, the workers in the church, the young girls, you know, they'd come and they'd serve the men of God and, and they were cooking and they were cleaning and it was so helpful. Um, and on the Saturday, we were doing outreach in the community. I remember going to one of the houses and I met a lady and I was talking with her and she was complaining. You know, she spoke about a daughter. A daughter not faithful at home. A daughter doesn't do chores. And, you know, a daughter's rude to her. And all of these bad things about her daughter come to discover that her daughter was one of the ushers at church. But look at this. The daughter was diligent and faithful in church. She was respectful in church. She was cleaning up in church. She was humble and, 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 and helping the men of God in church. Like, I was like, this makes no sense. Then I've come to understand that the person you are at church is not good, at, uh, good enough. You've got to be a child of God at home and allow that goodness, allow that virtue to overflow into the church. Don't be one person at home, but then at church, you're somebody else. This young lady was faithful at church. She had a good report at church. She was, I mean, a beautiful young lady at church, but at home, she was somebody else. And because of that, her mother was born again because her mother saw the person at home who was not Christ-like. What am I saying? You've got to be faithful to the family. You've got to be able to live a life that's circumspect. Well, 
to reach out to your family, to the people who need Jesus, to the people who are hungry for Jesus. That is your platform and that is your pulpit. Family, Noah, righteous man. But guess what? He had to also be able to reach out to his family. What time is it? It's time to reach out to our family in times. Let's read Genesis chapter three, uh, chapter seven, excuse me, verses three. Genesis chapter seven, verses three. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. I remember reading this particular text and thinking, like, why is God telling us about Noah and birds and these things going into the ark? Like, how is this significant? Birds. But you, if you read the story very carefully, it's, it's pairs, male and female, male and female, which speaks of re, uh, reproduction, which speaks of growth, okay? If you look at that even more intently, it speaks of futuristic. It's for the goodness throughout all the earth. When the ark eventually stops, the flood stops, and the ark is there, and the doors are open, and so these birds can come out, and multiplication, reproduction, can continue. And so humanity can still appreciate the beauty of God's creation. So in other words, God is talking about futuristic, which is vision. So in the end times, you've got to be able to have a vision that's beyond just you and your family. You've got to think about the other generations. So Noah was righteous. He had to save his family. But guess what? He had to make preparation for something that was to come. Humanity was to be wiped, wiped away. All of evil sin was to, be, was to be wiped out away, was wiped away. However, God was saying, I've still got to prepare for another generation. I've still got to prepare for another group of people. In other words, there is something to come. What time is a church? It's time to be aware of the next generation. What am I saying to you? Okay, I'm saying your gift should not die with you. Your virtue should not die with you. When Jesus came to the earth, what did he do? He got 12 and he discipled him. In other words, he made them like him. So that when he was to leave, the Holy Spirit was to come and those 12 were to turn the world upside down, which they did. How do they do it? They had to make more disciples and more disciples. In other words, We've got to duplicate who we are in Christ for other generations. It's no use that I'm a preacher. I've got to get somebody else to disciple them, to make them a preacher, to reach another generation. It's no use being a beautiful musician. Get another person. Teach them music. Let them be a blessing for another generation. Don't let your gift die with you. Don't let your ability to Bless God, die with you. That's why we evangelize. We've got to make more and more and more because we're thinking about progression 
futuristically. When a man, a woman get together, what's the byproduct? They multiply and they produce fruit after their own kind. What does the Bible say? Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Church, what time is it? It's time to be fruitful. Because when we are fruitful, we bless the next generation. We need another generation. You look at things like technology. There is a generation that can use the medium of technology to reach the world. Let's get them. Let's disciple them. And let's allow the gift of the Holy Spirit to utilize them to reach the world. What time is it? It's time to understand that we've got to make disciples. It's the end times. And there's an urgency. And we've got to use every skill and ability that is to our, uh, to our uh, afford to allow to reach out into the world. Noah, get animals, male and female, get them together. I've got to be able to affect the next generation. It doesn't end with you. No, you're just a part of what God is doing. We need more people that will be like you, disciples, so we can grow. And the 12, the Bible says, they turned the world upside down. And all they did was duplicate who Jesus was in them to other people. And share, and share. And so it grew and grew. What time is it? It's time to reach out and make disciples. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. This is another one that's it's the most common uh, parable I know that most Christians know. So common. Just keep your finger there. In Matthew chapter 25. Keep your finger there. And I'm going to read very quickly. Genesis chapter 7 verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. That's the simplest verse ever. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. What did Noah do? All that God had commanded him. So point four is obedience. In order for us to go forward and, 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 and be successful during this time of end times, church, we've got to be obedient. We've got to obey what God is telling us through his word, through his prophets, through his preachers, through those that teach his word. We've got to obey. The reason why Noah built the ark was because Noah was righteous. He had a passion for his family, he took them on board, he had a vision for the future, and he was able to obey God. He did not question God, he obeyed God. What is God telling you to do? Just think about it. What is God telling you to do? Under this title of the end times, discerning the times, knowing what time is it, God is speaking to you in dreams, in visions, through prophecies, through his word, his confirmation, but you are a bit reluctant. Obey. What's the challenge that God has put on you? Obey. What's the command 
that God has given you. My encouragement to you is this morning, obey. Noah obeyed. And the Bible confirms that he obeyed to the salvation of his entire household. He obeyed. He did that which was not done before. No man had before built an ark. No man had seen rain come from the earth and from the sky before. But Noah by faith obeyed. No man had owned a zoo and knew how to collect animals two by two. But Noah did this by faith. He obeyed. While others were partying, while others were busy getting married, while others were busy doing other things with their families, Noah put his family together, built the ark, dumped in the ark, locked the door, and waited. No rain. No rain. No rain. But he remained in there, faithfully obeying the command given by God. You see, when you obey, the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. When you obey God, you don't even have to sacrifice necessarily because you've been obedient. When he calls, you come unto me and you go, miracles happen. When, when, when he speaks to you and you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. God does so many things because you obey. I was a sinner bound by drugs. But when Jesus called me, I obeyed and I came and the reward was salvation. The reward was deliverance from alcohol and drugs, all because I obeyed. You see, when you obey, God does the impossible. What time is it? It's time to obey. In the end times, obey. The world is afraid. They don't know what's going on. Be calm. Obey. What is God telling you to do? Do it. Matthew 25, verse 1 and 2. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. I'll repeat that. At that time, the kingdom of God will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, but the other five were wise. The first point this morning, under the title of discerning the times and knowing what time it is, is wisdom. You have got to walk in wisdom. When you pursue wisdom, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, we know that. You've got to pursue wisdom because when you walk in wisdom, you walk in accordance with the will of God. There are so many today, so many who are walking, but they are walking foolishly. There are so many today who are serving God, but they're mixing serving God with ungodliness. They, they, they go to church, but they, they're mixing going to church with so many other activities, and that's not wise. When you walk with the wise, the Bible says you become wise. But when you walk with the fool, the Bible says you perish. In fact, uh, the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 says, Be wise as a serpent, but gentle as a dove. How wise is a serpent? Think about it. Be wise as a serpent. Why a serpent? Serpents are 
able to adapt and they adjust the attack. Serpents are subtle, but they're quick when it comes to attack. Serpents are patient, but they know how to be urgent when the urgency requires. Be wise as a serpent. In other words, during the end times, with all of that's happening in the world, we as a church, you and I, as children of God, we've got to apply godly wisdom and adapt to the circumstance and attack. Brother Johnny, how do we adapt? I'll give you an example. COVID-19 struck the world. Everybody panicked. Church doors closed. People thought, oh, it's over for the church. But guess what? Wisdom kicked in. And we used platforms like Zoom to speak the word and reach out. We used platforms like Facebook to speak God's word. You see, we adapted and we were able to attack the enemy because we discerned the times and we knew what to do. What am I saying to you, child of God? You've got to sometimes just adapt so you can function in the kingdom of God. Paul says, to the Greek, you've got to become a Greek sometimes. To the Jew, you've got to become a Jew in order to win him over. What time is it? It's the end time. It's time to adapt. For example, in missions, when you go to mission trips, you don't go to mission trips and force your own attitude towards the people. In order to reach them, you've got to adapt and acclimatize to what they're doing. However, you hit them with the word of God. You speak life into the circumstance. You sleep in your huts. You eat your food. You adapt. But guess what? You give them the word of God so that they can be born again, changed, and transformed. What time is it? It's time to walk in wisdom, godly wisdom, so you can reach out and touch and change and transform circumstances and situations. COVID-19 has gotten the world in so much fear. Christians are panicking. They, they're following men, you know, but they're forgetting that God is still in control. I want to remind you this morning, God is in control. Don't you know? Scott Morrison this morning had to get woken up by his law. You know that? Donald Trump in America had to get woken up by his law. Barack Obama had to get woken up by his law. But guess what? My God, your God, my Heavenly Father, he never needs to get woken up because the Bible says he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. Do you understand that? God is in control. God knows exactly what's going. God has seen our tomorrow. Child of God, be inspired, be motivated, be excited by the fact that God is in control and God takes care of you and I who are his own. Listen to me very carefully, church. God does not need a plan B. No, God only has one plan. That plan A is Jesus. You understand what I'm saying to you this morning? Jesus is the way this morning. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the answer. Hope, guess where hope is? Hope is in Christ. Salvation, guess where that is? Salvation is in Christ. What must you and I do? We've got to understand the times that we're living in and not let that throw us off. Understand the times and apply wisdom. Because when we are wise, we can challenge the status quo and serve God successfully. Uh, Johnny, what are you talking about? I'll give you an example. Look at these boys that were, when, when, when 
uh, Israel was captured by Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, they refused to partake of the king's delicacies. They were wise. They said, no, we will not partake of those delicacies. We will do that which our ancestors, our fathers, our forefathers, they taught us about the word of God. They taught us about the expectations of our God, the God of Israel, the only true God. We will follow that uh, uh, guideline. And they did so. They used their wisdom. No, we will do it this way. Come and test us, they said. Come and test us to see how strong we are in comparison to the others. When they were tested, they proved to be stronger, healthier, more uh, fitter than the others because they were wise and they stuck to God's word. During a crazy time, what am I saying to you? Use wisdom. Stick to God's word, child of God. Mm -hmm. And when you do so, suddenly circumstances don't face you. In your marriage, in your family, in your home, when you apply godly wisdom, circumstances change. When you apply godly wisdom, you don't get broke and go into debt because you're applying God's wisdom. Kingdom principles. Do that which the word of God is telling you. When you are engaging in fellowship, you don't get depressed and in a backsliding because you are using the wisdom that God has given you to do that which God wants you to do. What time is it? Do you know? All right. I'm going to read another verse. Matthew chapter 25, verses 9. Keep your finger there. Matthew chapter 25 and verses 9. The story of the foolish virgins, you know how it goes. They fell up to sleep and then they got up. The bride was announced. The bride will come. They've gotten up. But can we use yours? Oil, everyone wants to ask, give us some, give us some, give us some. And the others said, no. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. They use those words, no. Now, at church, we run uh, the young adults and we often teach them. It's not wrong to use those words, no. As a child of God, it's going to come a point in your life, in your walk, where you use those words, no. You see, no speaks of boldness. When the world is trying to sway your thinking to following them, you've got to use those words, no. When false teachings have become popular and everybody is going through that way and maybe their churches are getting bigger and they're getting bigger churches because they're compromising God's word, you have got to take that position and say, no, I will not. When your friends at school are doing certain things, you've got to tell them as a child of God, you use those words with boldness. No, I shall not. You see, to use those words, no, doesn't mean that you are hating your heart. No. You can love a person, but still disagree with them. So when you say those words, no, it means that I am covenanted with Jesus. I am covenanted under the blood of Jesus. I am covenanted to the ordinances of the word of God. Therefore, I will not compromise God's word. So with boldness, I say those words, no. 
They tell you it's okay, have a drink, have a smoke, it's okay. Come on, it's Christmas, celebrating. No. When the world says it's okay to be have mental health, ah, come on, nothing's ah, oh, man. Come on, you just, it's COVID-19, it's stressful times, you know. Come on, be okay. It's normal to be stressed. It's normal to just lose your mind. No, you've got to use those words. Child of God, no. When sickness comes upon you and the doctors tell you, ah, oh, it's okay, you just got mad. You, you've got to use those words, no. Make a stand. Those five uh, wise virgins, they made a stand because the urgency was at hand. The bridegroom had arrived. They couldn't share the oil. They were like, no, we are not doing that. You go and sort out your own problem, but we are identifying the urgency of the time and we cannot share our oil. So they use those words boldly, no. Church, these are the end times. What time is it? It's the end times. The church of God has got to grow a voice. It's got to rise up and get some muscle and tell the world, tell the government, Tell society, tell the lawmakers, no. No matter what laws they pass, if they are contrary to the word of God, let them know, no, we will not agree and we will not stand. Rise up and take a step. The last point, point number seven. These wise virgins were smart enough to seek their own salvation. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 confirms that Seek your own salvation, fear and trembling. Don't let your walk be compromised by your friend's walk. Don't turn away from Jesus because your friend has done so. No, no, no. Don't follow suit because the other churches are preaching uh, false teachings. Don't follow suit. Seek your own salvation. Make sure that your part with Jesus is clear. Make sure that your life with Christ is uh, organized and is in alignment. The time and the urgency of the hour is that you have got to make sure that your life is right. Don't think about the other people at the building. Make sure that you are ready when Jesus comes. The question is this morning, will you be ready? In closing, I don't know who you are. You're in your home, you're in your lounge, you're in your dining room, you're in your bedroom. You can hear the sound of my voice on Zoom, on Facebook, on whatever social medium we're on this morning. You can hear these words. Is it okay with your soul? Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood? Is your life a life that's pleasing unto God? Are you ready? Philippians 2.12 says, seek your own salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. I'm putting it on you this morning. Not your mother, not your father. Not your neighbors, but you. Are you ready? If Jesus was to come right now, would you confidently say, I'm going to heaven? Would you? If not, why not? This morning, I want to pray with you. You in that home, you believe in Jesus, you're saying, hey, look, Brother Johnny, I want to accept him into my heart. I want him to change my life and transform me. But guess what? This morning is your morning. What time is it? It's time for salvation. This is the hour for your salvation. Say this prayer after me this morning. Say, Father God, I have heard your word. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's come and died for my sin. I believe that through his blood, 
my sins are washed away. I accept Jesus into my heart this morning. Touch me, Jesus. Change me and transform me. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray with you. Before I pray, if you're sick at home, you have financial issues, you have family issues, you're just not traveling well. You're overwhelmed what's happening in the world and all of these things are going on. I want to pray with you. Let us pray. If maybe uh, you're in the kitchen, you're in the lounge, and you're that sick person and there's a born-again person next to you, just ask them to just lay your hands on you. As a point of contact, I'm going to pray. This morning, God, we just trust you for the beloved that's at home. Those who are not sick, in, those who are sick in their body, those who are not well, those whose minds are perhaps stressed or worried, oh God, those who have heart conditions, those who have physical ailments, oh God, those who have spiritual ailments, they a lukewarm body in a place of complexity and anxiety. I extend your right hand of righteousness upon them, oh I extend your, your virtue to reach out and touch them, oh God. Across, oh God, there's no limit to you. There's no distance through social media, but touch them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Perform a miracle because you still are a miracle working God. Do that which only you can do in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, oh God, by faith for what you are doing. Amen and amen. Amen. I'd like to just thank you, God. Again, for this opportunity to just share the word of God. Uh, if you want the notes, I've got the notes. I can email them to you. That's no problem. All the scriptures I can give it to you. So uh, thanks again, guys. Just be blessed and enjoy God. And remember, what time is it? Think about it. Thank you, brother. Claude.